You're listening to the Be a Better Lawyer podcast with Dina Cataldo, episode 149. So how do high-achieving lawyers break through generations of being taught that we have to grind ourselves into the ground to get results for clients, build a successful business, and create a life we love? While law schools are busy teaching the rule of law, they're slacking on teaching us how to be a better human to create for ourselves the success we thought we'd achieve after law school. This podcast bridges the gap between law school and life. Hello there. How are you doing today? Today is going to be a good episode. I can't wait to share with you what I'm going to talk to you about because as I was writing it, I thought, okay, this is this is pretty good. Then when I went back through and fleshed out the ideas I had for you, I thought, dang, this is going to trigger the heck out of them. It's going to be so good for them. Ugh, so excited. Okay. We need to shake up our belief systems, and this episode is going to do that for you, no doubt. Before we get to it, to answer a question I got this week, yes, I did decide on the windows, and yes, I did sign a contract. It's done. They're coming to measure windows on Friday. If you have no idea what I'm talking about, you can hear all about it in last week's episode, number 148, on ruminations and how to stop them. Now... I want to do a few podcasts on money mindset in the next couple months because I know that working on this area in my life has helped me build my confidence to begin building wealth and to spend money more confidently and intentionally. There's a couple topics I want to cover when it comes to billing your full value and shame around money, but I want to hear from you and where you struggle with money. If there's a topic you want me to cover, come on over to Instagram and DM me. I am at dina.cataldo. Money can be a touchy topic for some people. It was for me for a long time. So I want to create podcasts that will help you get to where you want to go in your practice and in your life with these upcoming episodes. In this particular episode, I want to talk about what I see a few of my clients facing and what I worked heavily through over the years. It's a money scarcity mindset. If you've ever felt anxious about money or avoid looking at your finances, you will want to listen to this episode a few times. The first time, your brain will probably want to shut off while it's hearing the new concepts I talk about. If you notice yourself wanting to scroll social media or check email while you're listening to this podcast, your brain is trying to numb out so it doesn't feel negative emotions. This topic can be jarring for some people. Stay through it. Stay through the negative emotions. It will be okay. It'll be better than okay because what I'm teaching on today is what helped me move out of money scarcity. It doesn't mean that I don't occasionally feel it come up for me, but when I do, I recognize it immediately and I don't make decisions that will harm my goals from that place of scarcity. Even if you don't feel anxious around money, but you want to feel more abundant about money, this episode will give you insight into how you behave with money and what you think about money. It'll give you awareness of how you interact with it and how that impacts your relationship with having even more of it. So let's start this podcast off with perspective. 
if you're listening to this, you are blessed, right? You have the internet, electricity, disposable time to listen to this. We have the good fortune of having more money than most people can dream of. I look at it as our responsibility to cultivate a good relationship with money so we can have a larger impact on the world. If you're listening to this, I know you want to have an impact on the world. Each of our visions may be a bit different, but all of them are served by having a good relationship with money. There's no doubt we have a relationship with money. Money isn't just currency. Yes, our society has agreed that it has a value that we can use to purchase experiences and things. That's the surface of what money means to us. A relationship is created when we have thoughts about something. That's what all human relationships are based on. Our thoughts about our partner, our family, our friends, all of our thoughts determine the quality of those relationships. Depending on how we've been trained to think about money, yes, we've been trained to have thoughts about it, you may love it, hate it, or feel ambivalent about it. Those feelings will cause you to bring it closer to you, push it away, or do nothing at all. You may have shame either because you believe you have too little of it or because you believe you have too much of it. You can feel love for it whether you believe you have a little of it or a lot of it. We're going to explore some of these thoughts and feelings so you can get awareness around them. Once you see your thoughts, you can decide whether or not you want to keep them and whether or not they're serving you. Money is the equivalent of energy. We need it to power our lives. It may not bring us happiness, but it can make our lives easier and reduce the number of experiences we have that we interpret as negative. It's important to know that money isn't inherently good or inherently bad. It just is. The negative or positive charge that we bring to it is purely from our thoughts. Feeling like money is scarce can, depending on who we are and our past experiences, cause us to either hoard money and not spend it as it was intended, or to spend it indiscriminately without thinking about the future. We do both actions because we think that they will make us feel better. That's how you know money itself doesn't have any charge to it. We get to experience the money. We get to the experience of money, what we bring to it with our brain. And because our thoughts about money are out of balance when we feel scarce about it, then of course we're going to feel out of balance with our money. Then we start blaming money or the lack of it for how we feel. So I'm going to share with you my parents' thoughts about money and my thoughts about money growing up. As you listen, see what comes up for you about any associations you have with money. If you hear something that resonates with you, write it down, like if you can. (laughs) Otherwise, come back to this podcast. That way you can go back and see what thoughts you have about money and which ones may or may not be serving you. I grew up in a house where there was never extra money in the bank, and that was perpetuated by my dad's thoughts that there was never enough. In fact, I can remember a time when I had a small savings account because I had a little allowance and they put it aside every month, and my parents actually had to borrow from my savings. Like They they took my savings away. They'd had a conversation with me about it and explained why they needed to do it. 
But my brain took that when I was really little and took that in as there's never enough. (laughs) Like I'm never going to have money. I don't have money. The money isn't mine. Like I had a lot of thoughts about it. They, of course, paid it back to me, but I didn't remember that. I didn't retain that. What I retained was is that they were taking my money. (laughs) So just notice when we're little, we we really absorb these things, these experiences, and we have thoughts about them, and then we take them on as true. And we need to challenge that if we want to have anything different in our lives. Okay, so let me let me get back to this. Our brains always want to prove us right. So really, my dad's thoughts led him to a habit of spending any disposable income that we had on things that weren't necessarily what we needed, but they were fun. You ever hear about those people who win the lottery, but they spend all the money and are totally miserable? I saw that in action with my dad. He once won $100,000 at a casino. He was so excited about it. He gave me the neon car that he had, um, and he went out and he leased a brand new Camaro. And then he bought a top-of-the-line computer. And then he proceeded to day trade all the money away online. That was that was his his thought process, right? Like that's what what his brain really programmed him to do. My mom, however, grew up with parents who lived through the Depression era in the United States. So she took on habits that they had about money. She hoarded it. She also did things like saving wrapping paper from gifts so she could wrap gifts in it in the future. Um, She would save money without my dad knowing about it, something that led to some of the arguments I witnessed over money. But she knew his habit of spending it meant that they could never save for something big or even have an emergency fund. All quote unquote emergency expenses were placed on credit cards. Notice how while both of my parents had a similar thought about money, that there's not enough, that they each behaved differently. Each of us can think the same things, but it will lead us to take different actions depending on how our experiences and associations have informed us. When my mom and I would go grocery shopping, dad was banned from going grocery shopping because he wanted to buy everything. I would I would get embarrassed when we got to the checkout counter because my mom would put things back when the total was more than the cash she brought with her. I wanted to hide every time she did this. I felt so awful. My parents were never able to save money except the amounts mom hoarded without dad knowing. And when we went out to eat, it was usually Denny's. Whenever we went to a restaurant, um, I would wait for my parents to order food because I didn't want to pick out anything that they believed was too expensive. If I ordered something that cost too much, um, I would be told that I couldn't have it. And I didn't like that feeling of disappointment. So I just waited for them to pick out their meal first. And I also didn't want to feel my dad's disapproval because if I pick something too expensive, according to him, I would get like a look. (laughs) So I really... We had a lot of this informing what was going on in my brain and what I took into the future. So notice, like, you know, if you've kind of drifted off, come back to me. Notice if any of this informs how you think about money. They said things like they stretched their budget. Notice that this is a thought. Stretching the budget isn't a real thing. They either had the money to pay for something or they couldn't make the money or they didn't or they could make the money. Let me say that again. So stretching budget 
the budget isn't a real thing. They either had the money to pay or they could make the money. They had money for me to do things like cheerleading one year in high school, and I found out later that they were relieved when I didn't want to do it the next year because they were going to have to tell me that they couldn't afford it again. Notice again that this is a thought. They could have made it work. They likely would have if that's what I wanted, but they used the money for other things they they wanted to do. So I know they had money. Notice if you say things like this to yourself, stretch my budget, I don't have enough, stretch a dollar. These are thoughts. None of them are true. We don't literally stretch a budget or a dollar. We make decisions about what's important to us. When we say I don't have enough, what we're really saying is that I'm making a choice to value certain things like cable, my phone, Netflix, electricity, over other things. Don't believe what your mind says about money. Really take a look at it. Because once you start taking responsibility for making decisions rather than saying that money has all the power over everything in your life, you begin to have more agency. You begin to have more confidence around money. Really pay attention to this. What I wanted when I grew up was to never have to look at the menu prices. I didn't want to think about money. I wanted it to be easy, right? I kind of wanted to fall into that category of feeling ambivalent about it. That's not actually how I feel about money now, but I feel so much better. Love is the word that I will use about money. And I'm going to talk to you about this because we have so much, we have so many thoughts trained into us not to love money. And so I really want to flip this on the head. It's not ambivalence that we're looking for. It's not scarcity that we're looking for. It is a sense of abundance and love. So I will get to this. Stay with me. Okay. So when I went to college and into law school, I took all the habits that my dad had when it came to spending money. That is, spend as much as I could so that I had, quote unquote, just enough to pay my bills. I made money really hard for me. I made it hard to make and I made it hard to keep. There's no training as kids that we have to bring this awareness to our brain. We definitely don't have this in law school. Lawyers, I want you to see this. It doesn't matter how much money you have, you can have money scarcity. There are people with millions of dollars right now who suffer feeling scarcity. And there's people with $100 in the bank that feel totally secure about money. Our thoughts create security, not the money itself. We tend to repeat the habits of the parent we want approval from. So I mimicked my dad, how he behaved with money and adopted his thoughts about money. What I started to notice about eight years ago is that people with lots of money, according to my brain, don't have the beliefs that my dad had. And people who had a lot of ease around money and confidence in how they used it didn't have the thoughts either of my parents had. I noticed that I always felt anxious about money, which led me to spend more to try to make myself feel better Then that led me to feel guilty about making really silly purchases like a very ugly pair of $70 pants I wore one time in college. They were horrible. I bought them in LA at the height of my insecurity in college because I had thoughts that I didn't fit in. It's not our actions that make us feel good or have security. It's our thoughts about our situation that do that. 
I was chasing after the feeling of having money and belonging without doing the mindset work I needed to do to change what was in my brain. To be fair, I had no clue that mindset work was a thing back then, so it's okay. This is what we're working on now because we carry these thoughts if we don't question them. So here are my old thoughts about money. There's only just enough money to get by. There's never enough money for what you want. Making money is hard work. The harder you work, the more money you'll make. We're not the kind of people who have a lot of money. If I had more money, I'd fit in. If I had more money, I'd feel better. These are just a few of the thoughts. I had so many more and you might too. And we're going to touch on some of these as we go on. So when I became a six-figure lawyer, basically overnight, because I went from law school to making just under six figures and quickly received raises, it was like I'd won the lottery. My brain wasn't prepared for the influx of money I had. I got the premium apartment I'd had my eyes on. I bought all the comforts I wanted to dress up my home. I went out drinking and eating with friends every night, and I still felt anxious around money like I didn't have enough. I carried all the same thoughts with me even though I was making a lot more money. Once I noticed that I was taking in a lot more money but didn't feel like I really had that much more, I saw there was a problem. So I started doing things differently, but that came from thoughts that weren't helpful. Thoughts like I should be saving. Of course, when we think we should be doing anything, that feels like crap, so it would never last. Having more money doesn't come from thoughts like I should be dot, 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 fill in the blank, right? Or muscling our way to saving or making a budget because we won't save long-term and we won't look at our budget again if we aren't cultivating a loving relationship with money. I'm going to talk more about this in a second, but this is essential. So that's where I was. Where am I now? Okay, I have savings. I don't have to look at prices on the menu, but my brain still wants to. I just choose to tell it, hey, I have money. So simmer down. It's okay. I, I own a house. I own a nice car that's totally paid off. I'm able to donate money to charitable causes each month, which was a really big step for me. So I am particularly proud of that accomplishment. That was something that took me seeing I have enough and I have more than enough. And this was something that really helped me, is helping me continue to work on these beliefs. I get to go grocery shopping without asking the checkout clerk to put things back. (laughs) I love paying the electricity company to stay as warm as I want during the winter, and I am very comfortable right now as I sit here recording this podcast because I am cozy. This isn't to say that I don't have debt. I have a mortgage, some credit card, and student loan debt, but I don't feel bad about it anymore. I felt a lot of shame around not having it all paid off. I know that I like the decisions now that I make with my money, so I no longer feel stress or anxiety around having debt. The word debt can mean, like it can really trigger things in people, and I have removed that trigger. I trust myself with money, which I didn't before. I used to follow Dave Ramsey and his no debt advice, and I don't think it's totally wrong. It's for some people, 
but I also don't think that it's necessarily what everyone needs while they're building a business and want to live life. It's a little like waiting to retire before experiencing life for me. That doesn't make a lot of sense for me, but at the same time, I know that it makes a lot of sense for other people. So how did I move from feeling this money scarcity to feeling comfortable and even abundant when it came to money, even while I have debt? So when I started my business, I recognized a few things that wealthy people had in common. I'm going to list them out here and take them for what they are. Okay. And we're going to talk, we're going to talk about these. I noticed that they had different thoughts about money than I did. They never had thoughts like the ones that I had. (laughs) And I liked their thoughts. They felt really good when I tried them on. They cultivated a relationship with money every day in the habits that they'd created for themselves. They invested in themselves like a lot, like law school amounts of money. And when they did, I saw how it changed how they showed up in the world. They thought a lot about other people and their problems and creating solutions to their problems. Wealthy people had a really big impact on the people they served in their businesses. They changed people's lives. This one may be obvious, but it wasn't it wasn't obvious to me. Truly wealthy people owned their own businesses. They weren't employees. I'm not saying anything bad about being an employee. I'm an employee and a business owner right now. But there's a cap on your income if you're an employee. Having money didn't change that they were human. They had human problems because they had a human brain. Money didn't solve the human brain problems, but it solved a lot of the circumstance problems, like you could hire someone to do things if you didn't want to do them, or you could pay someone to, to clean your lawn, your house, which made time to do more of what you loved. They put themselves out there, whether it was videos, connecting with people online and offline, like they really had a community of people that they were connected with. They were generous. They gave their time to people and they gave their money to causes that they believed in. And they weren't ashamed of the wealth they created and used it for experiences and things that may have seemed lavish to others, but they were comfortable in their own skin. I'm not saying all people who have a lot of money, like, and again, a lot of money is all relative, right? It's all our thoughts, but I'm not saying that they, speaking speaking of them as if they've got so much more money, that they're all like this. I'm saying that the people I observed were like this, and these were people I wanted to emulate. Notice these are also my observations, which means they're my thoughts. It's just as easy for any one of us to have thoughts that are the opposite of what I had about the very same people. Because I had these thoughts, I realized I needed to flip everything I thought about and did everything I was doing, flip it all on its head if I wanted to not only keep the money I was making as a lawyer, but make more money as I built my business. I hated feeling anxious when I thought about money. I felt sick when I thought about it, and I didn't want to look at my finances as a result. This, of course, was the exact opposite behavior we want to cultivate if we want to grow wealth. 
I started making changes in my actions, not knowing that it was actually from a change in my thoughts and feelings about money. So I was no longer thinking, oh, I should be doing this. I should be doing that. I was now starting to do some some shifts in my thoughts about people who had money. So that meant that I had negative connotations about what people who had money looked like, and I started making a shift there. And so that made a huge impact. Now, the conscious mindset work came much later, but what I was doing still had a huge impact. Like just getting awareness around these thoughts and having different thoughts was a big deal that led to me taking the actions that I took. And I'm going to share those with you. I had, like I said, a lot of negative thoughts about people who had money, which we almost can't help but have because we hear so many phrases in our society like money is the root of all evil, or we get information from movies like Wall Street where some old white guy says greed is good. Our society feeds us a bunch of crap about people with money, so of course our brain doesn't want us to have it. If we had it, then we are associating ourselves with people like that. There are a few small changes you can make right now to make a really big impact about how you feel about money. And as always, it has to do with how you think about money. So the very first thing to that I'm going to suggest to you is to make a date with your money. Yes, a date. Build a relationship with your money. This may sound strange, but it's the very first step to seeing money for what it is, an essential and amazing part of your life. Once a week, take 10 minutes to look at your bank account. In fact, I would suggest doing it every single day. There may be next to nothing in it, but go to the account anyway and just look at the number. If you're uncomfortable, sit with the discomfort. Then tell your money thank you. Thank you for helping me take care of myself and those around me. I really appreciate you. I remember when I first started doing this, I um, I used a mantra I heard a coach say, which was, I love money and money loves me. It felt horrible. It feels super awkward. Sit in the awkwardness. I made it fun though. I made it fun and sing-songy for me. I did it because I knew I needed to change something. And Yes, this sounds weird, but this is one of the things I did. And getting through the anxious feeling of saying something like this about money helped me really consciously trigger myself and see that it was just a thought. It was just a thought I was having. Like, why would, and I'm just saying words, why would these words create a feeling in my body? It's because I have, I had these negative connotations about money. So I started making talking about money fun. So many of us have these negative associations with money, so these practices might make your stomach turn at first, and that is okay. You know that feeling when you're on a roller coaster and it turns you upside down? That's the feeling that you're getting comfortable with. That means your old money beliefs are being challenged. They're being turned on their head, literally. You may not believe what you're saying at first, and that's okay too. You can also start with something like, I want to believe that I love money, and I want to believe that money loves me. If we want to turn old beliefs on their head, this date with your money, when you look at it and have gratitude and practice the belief that money is fun, is essential. 
Number two, I suggest noticing how you talk about money and people who have money. Most of us were socialized to believe that people with money are bad, that they don't help other people, that they're greedy, and we say things like, they're not like us, or other little things that are basically flippant ways of putting people with wealth down so that we feel better about ourselves. One thing that I hear sometimes is, it must be nice, and they say it. In a re- people say it in a really derogatory way when someone says that they spent money on a vacation or they got a nice car. The other phrase... Um, like money is the root of all evil or the associations we see all the time on television and in the movies where the bad guy is wealthy. Notice all of this. Once you see it, you cannot unsee it. Why do we depict so many bad guys in the movies as wealthy? Because it feeds into the shared societal belief that money is bad and not having money is good. There are like really very few examples I could come up with off the top of my head. Batman, Iron Man, and Professor Xavier. Those are the only examples I could come up with. They were wealthy characters, and the reason they were wealthy was to make the storylines work and play into the fantasy of having insane amounts of money to build super fast cars and machines we can fly in. Just start noticing this, like how often you're going to see the wealthy person as the bad guy. It's kind of funny. Our brain will never allow us to obtain something that we have lots of negative associations with. It's like asking our brain to put our hands into the fire when we know fire hurts. We have to watch these thoughts. We've got to really get awareness of them. Then we need to cut the thoughts out of our head one by one. We do this by the practices I'm sharing with you. So for example, if you notice your brain getting jealous of someone who has money and you want to say, oh, it must be nice, catch it in the act and say, good for them. Even if you don't believe it at first, if you catch yourself enough times and practice everything I'm talking about here, that thought, good for them, will take root. Eventually, you're going to get to the point where you'll really feel genuine happiness for them and say, heck yeah, that's awesome. I can't wait till I do something like that for myself. If your brain is trained to believe that people with money are bad, then it will prevent you from ever having a lot of money. Whatever you focus on, your brain wants to create for you. If you have a lot of negativity in your brain about people who don't have money, then your brain is going to think it's a good thing for you to not have money. Other common phrases I hear about money are, it doesn't grow on trees and time is money. Challenge every single thought you have. Money actually does grow on trees. It's made out of paper. Paper comes from trees. Who the heck came up with this phrase? Anyway, time is money is one of a lot of lawyers get stuck on because of the whole hourly rate. They say, wait, but my time literally determines how much money I make. If, if you have like not enough time for all of the clients that you have, then it's time to raise your rates. Time has nothing to do with money. It has to do with how you're thinking about money. As lawyers move away from the hourly rate, it's easier to see this phrase isn't true, but a lot of the lawyers I work with have hourly rates right now, at least in in some of their practice. So it's important to really recognize, hey, if you have this thought, it could be hindering you from making more money. Notice what you think about money and challenge each thought that leans towards scarcity. We can't change anything until we notice it and deconstruct it. I read a lot of books about money, so I could notice the thoughts about money I had all the time. I'll link to them in the show notes for you. Go to dinacataldo.com forward slash 149 for a list of my favorites. Number three. 
I practiced gratitude for everything I have. I suggest you do the same. I reminded myself everything that money had allowed me to experience and have over the years. When we see the positive impacts of money on our lives, it's one more tool to chip away at the old thoughts we've thought habitually over the years. You can make a morning practice of this where you think about all the things you have that you really want and how money makes them possible. I mean, if I think of this right now, I look around my room, I look at my dog who's laying on the bed sleeping. He like if I didn't have money, I wouldn't have been able to take care of him. Like he has seizures, he wouldn't be around right now. I am so fortunate to have the money that to that to take care of him. Like other people wouldn't be able to do this for him. I'm so fortunate to have what I have. I have a comfy bed, a beautiful blanket that's so cozy and soft. Like I can look around and I just feel immense gratitude for money and what it's allowed me to do. So that's something that you can do is just make a list. Like think of as many things as you can, like spend 10, 20 minutes on this and just train your brain to have gratitude for money. Okay, the fourth thing I would recommend is this, and this is what I did. I trained my brain to notice that money came to me all the time. This helped me feel so much more abundant. I had the thought that I'm a money magnet and that I was always attracting money. And this felt really weird at first too. I was like, okay, I'm a money magnet. I'm a money magnet, right? I'm saying it and I'm like, I, I don't I don't really believe it yet. It feels really awkward. And then I would just start noticing, right? So for instance, I think these thoughts and you know, when whenever money came to me. So one day I was sitting in a car waiting for my friend to bring back coffee, and my friend threw a $10 bill at me through the car window because he didn't use my money to buy the coffees. So when I got, you know, I would think, oh, I'm a money magnet. Look, money's always coming to me. When I got my paycheck, I'd practice this. Whenever I received a check in the mail for anything, I would practice this. Whenever I saw a refund in my bank account or, you know, whenever I found a penny on the street, I would practice these thoughts. I'd pick up the penny and remind myself that I'm a money magnet. I never reject money. I'm always picking up pennies. You will see me. I will pick up coins. Do not do not believe I will not pick up coins if I see them, unless it's in the middle of a busy road. Because I want to continually train my brain that I'm accepting of money and I don't reject it. I focused my attention on all the money that came into my life. And as a result, I felt more abundant. I created, this is number five, I created a Google spreadsheet with all of my expenses and income and I allowed myself to enjoy the process. This ties in with number one nicely. I take note of when my credit card goes down and I celebrate that accomplishment. I used to have a ton more debt, car, more credit cards, lots of student debt, a a bar loan, oh, those ugly pants, like I charged those, and I paid off over $100,000. When I'd pay off a smaller, it's gotta be way more than $100,000, it's like crazy. But when I'd pay off a smaller student loan, I'd be sure to do a happy dance and let my brain know it was doing a good thing, that it felt really good. Focusing my attention on the money trained my brain to behave differently with it. I saw that I had more money in my bank, not because I was consciously spending less, but because my brain was focused on money in a different way. And when that happened, it started to change how I behaved without me even really knowing it. 
my brain now felt really good when I had money. So it wanted to make sure I took care of it and I practiced taking care of it. I built the capacity to have more money in my bank account and to pay off even more on my loans. I learned to trust myself with money and spend money on what I really wanted, not impulse buys like those ugly pants. I still think about those ugly pants sometimes. They were like these bright pink not even bright pink, they were like a magenta pink and they had all of these different colored squiggly lines, like they were white and blue, like they were definitely like raver pants. I still can't believe I spent my money on that. But anyhow, that is a thing that, you know, you will not do if you start to recognize where your money is going, right? You start to really appreciate your money. There's so much more I want to talk to you about when it comes to money because I know there are lawyers out there who feel right now like I did, but I'm going to save that for future podcasts. I want you to know that you can turn things around for yourself if you feel shame, fear, or anxiety around money. I now invest in myself and my business in a way that I never imagined possible before. Before, I felt a lot of guilt and shame around money. Having money and spending money, I had guilt around them both. And now I trust myself to make good decisions with money and have my own back when I make financial decisions. This takes practice, but I promise you that if you begin incorporating what I talked about in this episode into your life every single day, you will make big shifts in your bank account. You won't even be able to help it. Where our attention goes, energy flows. You pay attention to your money in a different way and you get different results. So I'm going to link to my favorite money mindset books in the link in the show notes. You can find them at dinacataldo.com forward slash 149. I used to pour through these books and do all the exercises because I knew I needed to think differently. And the more thoughts I had in my brain that were different than the ones I grew up with, the better. So come and find me. Find me on Instagram. Tell me what you thought of this episode. I would love to hear from you. You can find me at dina.cataldo. I know that money can kick up a lot of emotions. So I'm curious about what came up for you during this episode and what you want to hear about more in the future. Thank you so much for listening. And I will talk to you next week. Bye. There's one way to work with me right now, and that's one-on-one coaching. I coach ambitious lawyers who have their own practice or want to build a business on top of their current law practice. I help them calm the overwhelm and get focused on their goals. If you want to learn more about what coaching can do for you, let's chat. You can book a call with me at dinacataldo.com. 